This is My Montessori Life, a podcast that holds up a unique lens to contemporary social, cultural, and political issues. Maria Montessori aimed to reform humanity by building a better human being from the start, preparing young children for a life of profound self-determination, empathy, and wisdom, everything to which an advanced civilization should aspire. The podcast's regular hosts are Barbara Isaacs, President of Montessori Europe and one of the world's leading authorities on Montessori, and David Getman, author of the teacher's textbook Basic Montessori and founder of the software firm My Montessori Child, which sponsors this podcast. In this second of three podcasts on the theme of motherhood, Barbara and David are joined by two guests, Roxana Halloyu a qualified and experienced Montessori practitioner and mother of baby Theo. To combine the two vocations, she also now runs a Montessori-inspired playgroup for her North London community. And Sabine Leitner, who trained as a musician in her native Austria, opened a music school and puppet theatre for young children in Vienna, and then changed careers, earning an MA in philosophy and another MA in psychosynthesis, which is a form of therapy she now practices in London. Roxana, to begin, please can you tell us a little about Theo, your baby son? I feel like there's so much to say. Um, he is obviously the joy of our lives. Um, he's a very curious baby, like most babies. I mean, like all babies, really. Um, he really loves dogs and splashing in the water and loves swimming in sand and really immersing himself in anything that's messy. Um, and he gives us the best smiles. Um, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what else to add to this. It's just so ineffable <laughs> to have the privilege to see your child every day. And, and Roxana, um, what expectations of motherhood did you have as a girl? Do you remember what when you were younger, what you thought about motherhood if it happened to you? Um, I remember looking after my twin little cousins when I was about 14. And I think that's probably the time when that seed of maybe wanting to work with children came about, even though it changed in the meantime and sort of life took me to the same place. So um, it, it did... I remember being very astounded by their capacities. Maybe I didn't have the same language to put it into words at that point. Um, but I always thought about being a mother and what would I do? And then I became a nanny and kind of didn't know for sure if I wanted to be a, a mom at that point, but maybe because one would always reflect on their childhood because everybody has one, right? And... Um, Maybe I had events that convinced me maybe not to do that. Um, and I remember I was a nanny for a long time and the father of the children said that, you know, you, you one day I'm sure you'll make a good mom. And it really hit me at that point. Um, I think for me, there was always a pendulation between having the desire to have a child and and looking at my limitations, I I went to therapy for about four years before I had Theo, and I think it's the best preparation that I've ever had um, as a mom now, because I feel like I have become my own person maybe later in my life. Um, and did when you did um, become pregnant, did this start to change your view of yourself and others? And so how did, you know, when you actually knew that this was coming, it was impending event, how did that, how did that affect your, your view of, of your own life and, and your relationships? So I think the pregnancy was the time I, I reflected a lot of my mother's pregnancy. So my mom became pregnant in the time of communism in Romania when there was a decree. Um, so basically that decree forbade any abortion. Uh, the country didn't have much access to contraception. So I think a lot of my generation were not wanted children. And I, it made me reflect a lot of 
what happened with my mother while she was pregnant with me. I w- and I had a really strong moment. Um, I think it was after my last therapy session that I had a bit of a breakdown. Um, I was with my partner. We signed the contract for the new home. So I should have been happy at that point by all definitions. We were starting a new life. Here we are signing the contract for this lovely house in which we will bring Theo up. And and I burst into tears and I didn't know why I was crying. Um, and realized that I wasn't the chosen child. I know I was a loved child by my mom, but I wasn't the chosen one. And whilst crying, I kept on repeating to Max and myself that I'm choosing this child. And I think that was a very important and very big difference between the start of mine and Theo's childhood that I wanted him with all my being and and maybe my mom wasn't prepared and didn't have the support didn't have the the conditions to bring up children um, at that point so and it made me reflect and have a lot more understanding for the difficulty that my mother went through and a lot more forgiveness and yeah it was a very very strong moment yeah it sounds like it was um that the event itself the being pregnant started to really make it come home to you as to what all mothers face including your own whether it's a chosen pregnancy or not so what did you do from that point to prepare yourself for motherhood were there um you know, were there things you wanted to read? There was there. Did you have questions that you thought you needed to ask? What What was your preparation? Um, I think I did read a few books that were very important. One of them being Philip Perry's book. Um, I can't remember the name. Um, and that was very important. But it also, I realized that I, the ideas are have always been there but just living through the motions of it was what prepared me really um and also I didn't want to have a lot of expectations because I wanted to experience this step by step and to get to know my baby and maybe who I am as a mother as well um so I think I think it was more more me kind of letting myself experience this and talking to my baby and whilst I was pregnant and just feeling that joy and the nervousness, the expectations. And yeah, I think, I think being in a partnership that supported me was also very important. So um, that, that, that meant a lot that we were both very excited about the baby coming. And you said that you just um, signed a contract on a new house. So how did you organize your home for the new arrival? Did you, you know, go out shopping for special furniture? What, what did you do? I think that came a little bit later, just because we had moved in the house that at that point didn't have any furniture in. So we actually had to... Um, get everything from scratch and we slept on a mattress on the floor for, for a couple of months and it was in lockdown as well so we couldn't go to a physical place to pick furniture so it all had to be ordered online and it took uh, ages uh, to arrive <laughs> so we had a bit of a an unusual start but at the moment I have a little playroom for Theo which is very lovely and everything's at his level and all things Montessori and he sleeps on a on a mattress on the floor and he's very happy there most of the time but to be honest he wants to be outside a lot more of the time he really loves the outdoors and yeah. being around other children and seeing people because he's incredibly sociable um yeah i think i think having the the spiritual environment is much more important than the physical environment, to be honest, and having that harmony in the house and that joy. I mean, I feel like babies that feel loved and that are greeted with a smile are very happy. I don't think they care that much about the physical environment. I mean, it's, it's very important as well, but 
I think the emotional environment is very important at this stage. So being a man, I wouldn't know, but what was it like emotionally or spiritually to bring a whole new human being into the world? What was that feeling? So I think I was pendulating between um, absolute joy and total despair. <laughs> um, because... I know that I want to offer him the best. I think all parents do. Um, we may have a different understanding of what that is, but I think we all have that drive to offer him the best life. Um, I know that this world is not perfect, so I'm dreading that. But I also know that Theo himself is going to have an effect on this world. So I felt like I was bringing a blessing into the world and... And I feel like he is, and I think all children are. I felt yeah. immense joy. And I really love the way that he was greeted by everybody. I, I went to Romania to see my family, and and he was greeted with such joy by everybody. And I, I felt like that was a blessing as well. Because I think one, one thing that you learn by being a mother or a parent is that you are you're not going to function in this world isolated. And the child, especially Theo, who's so sociable, from the month, from, he was, from when he was at four months old, he really wanted to be around other people. He was no longer just my baby. He was the child of this world. And we are very dependent on others. We are not independent when we're mothers. We're interdependent. I think that is the need for community. I never felt it so strongly before that. I really felt like I needed to be around people, to be supported, to, to, to feel like I'm part of some community. And yeah. bringing Theo to my parents felt like this is the village. And it is an actual village, but it felt like everybody greeted him with such joy. And I thought, well, if we could offer children that environment for as long as we can, it would be amazing. And um, I think... Maybe living in a big city doesn't always feel quite like that. But he he was celebrated, and I took a lot of joy in that. Um, and, and and so coming back to the UK, what support did you have? Because um, obviously you're now away from your family. So what kind of support did you organize, or what was available? Um, so there was a time, um, maybe when Theo wanted to see more of the world, that I felt like, I'm not sufficient in my house, even though he had the best uh, looking room and everything, baby friendly and everything, it was not sufficient for him. So I went around to see what can we do together in the community. And um, we went to the classically called baby classes, but I didn't feel like it was sufficient because I felt like, not that I'm not saying anything negative about them. I think they're fun and I think people get something out of them but I felt like babies weren't necessarily given their own agency in them so I organized a little play group and he started to have a little bit more consistency with the group that he's in and create little friendships and having a lot more interactions on their own terms so I I feel like I didn't really have a community because we moved in the era quite recently but slowly slowly um I'm managing to connect with a lot more people and mothers particularly, and that is very helpful. Um, so I'm sort of building a little village <laughs> somehow, uh, and it's it's a very joyful process actually. So this is the, this is the play group that you yourself started. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an amazing project. That's you know, and I understand more of what you say about where the impulse comes from because, like you said, you came from that village where you had all this support and you thought, well, we need one of these back in London, so I'll make my own. Yes, and also it, I hope I give the opportunity to parents to learn as much as they want about the Montessori philosophy. Some of them find it very helpful. Um, and I had great feedback lately because um, for some for some parents, it's all about getting connected with other parents and other children. And yeah, some parents feel a bit isolated and that was helpful to them. But also some parents have learned to look at their child's play in a little different way because I do try as much as I can to 
to speak about Montessori and what it means and how it may empower them as parents. I feel that we have to, as practitioners, educators, think of the parent with the child together. Otherwise, it's a bit of an isolated process. The more we involve the parent and the more we have that unconditional regard for the parent as well, the better it is for everybody. I think the collaboration between us and parents is incredibly helpful. And, yeah. <laughs> so what, what um, in that context, because you'd, you'd studied early childhood and you'd worked with young children for some time before you had your own baby. So what suddenly became more clear to you when you had your own baby? Was there any, was there any mystery that was solved or any uh, enlightenment that took place because now you weren't looking after someone else's, but it was your own? There were loads of reflections on that. Um, one of them was that I felt incredibly vulnerable thinking that one day I will have to put my child in the nursery. And um, and I really thought about how much, how daunting it must be for young parents and um, new parents to come into a nursery and leave their child with basically strangers, really. And also, I really can look back and think how grateful some of these parents must have been to us, that they would come and, bring their children that sometimes after the settling would have a smile on their face and even leave with a smile on their face. Um, so did reflect a lot, not just about my work with the children, but the work of an educator um, being so important. And especially if we're working with babies in a setting, it's, it's so important that we create those attachments with the babies because we really we really are brain architects at that point and we really do contribute to these children's lives in such an immense way um what else i mean as a mom gosh there's so much joy but there's also so much fear and this it's we i can't compare my my experience as an educator with the experience of a mother there I think there's such different such different experiences and that sort of I think I'm much better with a different child to let them be more independent and not interfere and I find myself pulling back and thinking oh god I'm doing exactly the same thing that I was trained not to do because <laughs> I want to protect him yeah. and and finding that balance between leaving space for Theo um, and obviously protect him it's, it's, it has become a bit harder because we're obviously very very attached <laughs> to, to them so I, and no I'm, I'm working a lot on that and I think he's he he tells me when he wants to be independent in, in his way and I think it's always important to listen to them in the multi and the multitude of languages that they have because recently so I had a high chair and he was just not comfortable and I put him on on his little weaning table with the chair and he was just beaming because he had found that little independency and I think every step that Theo takes towards being independent also has a little bit of, I mean, as an educator, I always celebrate that and be happy for them. But as a parent, there is a, there is a tiny little voice that says he's no longer that much of a baby and he's <laughs> becoming his own person. And there's yeah. nostalgia in there as well. So I find, I think I have a lot more understanding of, of parents who want them to be babies for one more day. <laughs> Obviously, I will hopefully find the balance. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a continuous internal conversation with, you know, you're always talking to yourself saying what you should do and then what you feel like doing. So <laughs> I know that, I'm afraid that doesn't stop. <laughs> that, no, I, that, I don't believe it does. <laughs> yes. That debate goes on inside you for forever, really. Um, Barbara, does this reflect things that you see in um, Montessori teachers and working with parents that if they themselves are parents then they can better understand 
Um, what's happening with the parents leaving their children with you? I think Roxana has articulated the difference between being a mother and being an educator really, really well. And I really appreciated her focus on reflection because that's a skill that you need to have both as a mother and as an educator. And also in all your relationships, you need to think about and feel what is happening and be honest about it. And I, I, I found Roxana's description of becoming a mother really, really moving. I also loved her comment on the spiritual environment and on the importance of creating harmony and calm for the baby because for me that is the best gift we can give them and it's really difficult to create that as a parent because there are those stresses and tensions and worries about us doing the right thing and that links very well with um, Roxana's comment about unconditional regard for parents. Uh, I really absolutely concur with uh, Roxana's view. I didn't really understand the parents until I became a parent of my own. So um, I, I'm not saying for one minute that being an educator, you need to be a parent, but you gain another level of insight, which if used wisely, will help the parents and the setting to create much more um, uh, amiable way of communicating for the benefit of the child. Yeah. Sabine, um, in your therapy work, is, are any of these ringing bells, these comments about having an inner conflict between giving your child independence and wanting to keep them for your very, very own? <laughs> does, that, does that come out in the, with the women that you work with? Oh, yes. Um, I think... It is very important that mothers are able to let go. And I was really, I was very happy to hear how aware you are of that process. That, um, yes, we want the child to be small and dependent because we have this special relationship with it. And at the same time, it has to become its own person. And there's a sadness about it, a grief. <clears throat> and at the same time, the mother sacrifices that in benefit of the child. And if that, that transition from absolute dependency to relative dependency to a sort of independence which we never reach because we are interdependent if there's something going wrong then later in life that can often translate into a great fear of intimacy because um, if the mother can't let go she's often experienced as engulfing as kind of stopping and hindering the progress so um, then Deep down, we have a fear of getting very close because then we are engulfed and we can't be ourselves. And so people would love to have a really deep connection and at the same time they fear it. And that can play out for the rest of our lives. So it's really important that women understand that process. Yeah. Well, there's so many things for mothers to to be thinking about, but I, I understand the importance of that particular aspect of it, even as a father, um, you know, this this challenge of, of recognizing your child as an independent being, which of course is at the very heart of, of a Montessori philosophy. Um, so are, are you, um, Roxana, geared up for this 21-year project that you've just started? Um, is, are, you th are you seeing it from that perspective or are you just taking one day at a time? Um, I do think, obviously, I think everybody thinks about, wonders about what their child will be like. Um, but I do, I do want to take it one step at a time because I really don't want to miss any moment. I really want to be present with this child and just to watch him develop and to really listen to who he wants to be and who he is and who's becoming. So I feel like I'm more into that spectrum <laughs> of it and I'm sure that things will unfold I don't have a five-year plan I do I did look at look at like some nurseries and think about what we want to do maybe the next few steps but I, I really want him to have the ability to choose where he wants to go and and I hope that I can follow his interests and his passions and 
um, his personality. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to discovering him. Yeah, that's a great, that's a very uh, lovely expression. I'm looking forward to discovering my child. Um, uh, and how do you honestly feel, it might, might be easy for you to say, about other mothers' babies that you know? Well, <laughs> well, I, I've always loved babies. That hasn't changed. I mean, my love for children hasn't changed. I, I have missed being in the classroom and seeing all the children and seeing their little faces and watching them discover things. So I, that's something that I really missed. And that's something that I'm still experiencing with the little play group and still as much as I can follow their sort of journeys as well. So I don't think that has changed at all. Um, but I, it's, it's really lovely to, to watch the journey for other mothers and, and also find a sense of sisterhood in that as well. Um, because I think I need help and they need help and being together makes it so much easier and it just makes the days shorter in a good way because it creates meaningful connection for us and their and the children as well. Um, so I don't think that changed. I think my love for children will always stay alive. I, I don't see that changing any time. Um, and I have also missed being in a team um, as well, working in a team, because I think a mother, especially if it's just one child and the mother in the house, it can feel very daunting at, at points. Because I think we need inspiration from each other, and I don't think we're made. We, I don't think we're meant to do this alone. I think we are such social beings, and even if you're like incredibly introverted, you'd still want to connect at some point. Yeah, I know that a lot of mothers make some of their best life friends at this point, the point that you're at, where you start to realize your dependence on each other and your support of one another, and it for it, it becomes the basis of a lifelong friendship. But how did having a baby affect your relationship with your own mother? So you told us a little bit about the situation she was in when she had you. So thinking about your relationship with her as your mother, what, what's changed? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a very interesting question because I think it's changed in so many ways. First of all, my mother adores Theo. He, she is first time uh, grandmother so uh, the joy that they both my mom and dad felt was incredible but also I I feel like I'm a very different parent from her also having a bit more access to education changed that a lot for me and I think there's there's a I had amazing support from her. She came before Thea was born in London and she really helped me prepare everything. And she folded the little clothes and different stages. It was absolutely wonderful. But also as Thea, <laughs> Thea grew up a little bit more and we started the weaning, she was absolutely horrified about the way I feed him, uh, which was not the traditional weaning, but also I, I was doing baby led and I, I try to give Theo as much freedom as he can possibly have. Um, so I would never wipe his face while he's eating. <laughs> and I think Theo knows these things as well. So when she was trying to feed him, he, she tried to wipe his face and he screamed because he, <laughs> he didn't. He was like, no, this is my meal. Do not interrupt me. Um, so I think we, we have found a lot of connection uh, but also we have also found that we are very different parents <laughs> and sometimes that 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 gets a bit lively um, because we're also very Balkan in our interaction as well. So I feel like I'm a very different person when I'm around my mother, um, <laughs> um, which surprised people because we can get a bit loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that seems I think that's. But no, it's, it's been generally it's been absolutely wonderful, and ha having her support was incredible. It was really helpful, and I I also because she worked so hard, she worked so hard to prepare the garden for Theodore before he was born. I have also learned so much about her abilities, and I think I've I've discovered that she had so much strength that I wasn't aware of, and. 
she's incredibly intelligent in, in ways that I wasn't even thinking about. Um, yes, no, I think I definitely have more understanding of her also as a person. Um, yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. So, so it's been a very um, healthy, positive uh, progress in your relationship with your mother, which you know, we'll also go through phases and changes, I'm sure, as yeah, Barbara sure. can tell you, as a as a grandmother herself. Um, what, what would you say, Barbara, in relation to your, your relationship to your daughter and son? Um, well, my son doesn't have children, and I'm very curious to see how the relationship will pan out um, then. As friends tell me that the relationship you have with the children of your daughter tend to be different to the relationship with your son's children. I hope that will not be so, but um, I will observe that curiously. Um, I, what I really, really try to do is when I'm with my daughter and with her children is not to be judgmental and to learn from the way how they do things and to respect the way how they have chosen uh, to do things. I sometimes share my concerns with my husband, but I don't share them with her because I would not find, I don't think they would find it helpful. As parents, we choose our path, and I think it's important that we stay truthful to that path, particularly if you work really hard at being parent. And my daughter is very much following the same line of mothering as Roxana is. So um, for me, baby-led weaning initially was a shock. I absolutely sympathize with her mum, but um, it was such liberation for the children. I could see the value of it very, very quickly. And I can see how our children have grown stronger from the way my daughter and her uh, husband has have chosen to parent. And I salute every effort they make in helping the children to be themselves. Um, just so I know, what what is this technique of um, baby led weaning? <laughs> you basically, um, well, with some limitations, you give the food to the baby as you would eat it yourself from the very beginning. I mean, obviously they can't have nuts and certain things that could be a potential choking hazard, but they will learn how to feed themselves very quickly. And actually, my mother tried to introduce introduce mashed up food and Theo was like, mm, not not very happy and he just turned away um, because he, he, he loves picking his food and choosing what he wants to eat. And I think there is a lot of joy in experiencing the food by, um, by yourself. I think, and now he's a, he's a very confident eater. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, obviously you have to do your own research. And I think there are, my mom, I have particular um, understanding for her um, fear because I apparently I was choking when I was very little. And that left her with a bit of a phobia as well. So it's more than, I don't agree with this, but there's something beyond that. Um, so I think some parents have some limitations. And I, I also respect traditional weaning because I think every parent has to have a sense of safety for themselves as well. Because I think being stressed when your child is eating isn't helping the child. So whatever works for every parent really uh, works for the child. But I think Theo took it very well and, and he's confident eater and very able now. Um, What's some particular thing that you did disagree on where your mum was was quite clear there was the right way and the wrong way and she wasn't quite at all sure about your way? Um, I took Theo to the sandpit from a very early stage and she was horrified. She thought it was too dirty. <laughs> She thought it was too cold, and I, I think, I think I, I, maybe I offer Theo a bit more freedom than other parents, but I feel like he's really getting something out of these experiences, and I don't mind if he gets dirty from tip to toe as long as he has a smile on his face, and it can all go in the bath. He has a bath every day, and I'm incredibly surprised what comes out of him. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I think 
Yeah, I think we're very, very different. And also I want him to be able to move at all times as well. So that's very important. And she gets very overprotective. So I always tell him that if he doesn't if he doesn't seem like he's distressed, I won't wake him up because he's doing something, he's concentrating on something, he's discovering something. So I think interruptions are the one thing that I get very particular about. Um, um, and obviously she doesn't, I don't think she understands how important that is for the child. So yeah. I'm not blaming her, but I'm very strongly <laughs> set on not interrupting my child if he's happy doing he's, what he's doing. He's busy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about being so crazy busy all the time now that you're a mum? with a lot less time for yourself? Or do you feel you have less time for yourself? Oh, of course. Um, I do miss reading a book. I think one of the things that I really would like to do some days is go to a cafe and read a book. That's That seems to be a lot to ask. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know that my partner would take him, but I also feel like I really want to... I mean, if I go somewhere, I don't think I can relax because I really want to be with my baby. And... Even though it's sometimes overwhelming, I think ultimately I'm really happy that I can have the chance to spend this time with him. Um, I also am, I feel really privileged that I can take care of him for a little longer. Um, I know that other people don't have that chance. Um, I know that, of course, we choose what we choose for ourselves and for some, for some mothers it's better to go back to work because that's how they feel they function better. But I, I feel like having the opportunity to stay with Theo for longer it means a lot to me. Um, and so I'm very grateful that my partner is on the same page in that sense. Um, but yeah, I think in other countries systemically that option is a bit more available um financially um so i did i do feel like the system would contribute to to the well-being of both parents and 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 babies and i think it's such an important stage of life for both really um that i do feel a bit let down not for myself in this particular situation, but I feel like mothers don't really have an option sometime. And yeah, I think we really need to have a bit more investment in the early childhood, um, especially in the first three years of life. So do you feel that, that society generally has different expectations on you as a person now that you're a mother? So as you go around in the world with Theo, do people look at you differently or do people speak to you differently or how I think so. I, I think I think I feel like there is a even when I was pregnant, I think there is an instinctive drive for people to protect that stage. I mean, people would give me the seat when I was pregnant and they're very accommodating with me. So and I think that's very lovely and I think it shouldn't disappear. <laughs> um because we do need all the help we can get. And I think it was really hard for me to accept that, actually, because um, I do feel like I'm a very independent person. And I felt um, they do look at you differently. They celebrate you. Um, they they want to help. Um, it's it's wonderful. Um, I think, Is there any, I think any society... Does have like this expectation of women to be perfect mothers and perfect workers, uh, and I think that is not necessarily helpful. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I feel like there are too many pressures on on people in general, but on new moms particularly. Is that pressure from other other mothers, women in general, society? In I, general? I didn't experience it p personally because I feel. At this moment in my life, I feel quite fortunate. Um, that's because my partner does all the financial womb <laughs> at the moment. But I know, because I'm part of various Facebook groups, I know mothers feel gutted because they have to go back to work because financially it doesn't make any sense and they really want to be with their babies. And when it's a choice, I think it's the right choice. When, when a woman feels like it's the best thing for her and her baby, for her mental health, but... 
for her choice in life to separate from the baby, that and that's great. But I feel like when when people don't feel like it's necessarily their choice, it, it really affects them. Um, so that's I was more of a general thought about expectations of society. I, I particularly feel very happy and content at the moment. Um, yeah. So, so you were saying that you know nobody's perfect, and obviously there's mistakes made. Do you forgive yourself? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I, I'm not very good at that. I mean, of course I will have to because otherwise, um, no, otherwise there's no peace. But no, I feel like I overanalyze, and I feel like all parents deal with a lot of guilt, a lot of parental guilt. I think that's. Um, yeah, I always tell myself that if Theo grows up and he's going to be in his 40s um, and he's going to be in therapy, at least he will probably have one day when he's going to think, my mother did her best. <laughs> That's all my <laughs> aim. Uh, but um, You'll be paying for that therapy, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not very good at forgiving myself. But hopefully I'll learn. Sabine, how how important is uh, forgiving yourself? You know, especially in such a for a person in a high pressurized situation. Um, you know, everyone makes mistakes. So, is self forgiveness essential? I think it is, and it is one of the dilemmas of our time because of um, social media and Instagram. Everything is so perfect, and everything needs to be so perfect. And um, it was interesting to see that Roxana says she puts a lot of pressure on herself as well. It's not, I mean, it's society, but ultimately we agree with that and then we put it on ourselves. And I think Winnicott was right by saying a good enough mother is the best. And um, one of my teachers always says the perfect mother would be actually very bad for the child because um, it's almost a form of narcissism. You know, and I'm perfect. I'm doing everything right. And... Um, and he said that there has to be a graduated failure of the mother so that the child develops its own um, independence and its own skills and tools. So if the mother is always ready, always does everything, then the child really can't um, mm. deal with reality, which is, it, it has to be disappointed to a certain extent, gradually, slowly. Yeah, I'll come in a minute, you will be fine. You know, these kind of things when, when the child is ready for that and not just do everything perfectly. That wouldn't be good. Yeah. I absolutely agree. <laughs> so, Barbara, um, you know, this is important for uh, Montessori teachers. I know that one of part of the training is to admit your mistakes to the children and to, and to apologize to the children where appropriate and so on. I wish that would happen a little bit more often than I have witnessed it. That's all I can say to that. I actually <laughs> recall... Uh, couple of occasions when that would have happened and I think that um, the, the motivation to be a teacher um, does not always come from the right place that you often want to be a teacher to share what you know with the children and to me that doesn't sit right you should as a teacher you should be privileged to share the journey of learning with the child in an environment that you do prepare, but it is not cast in stone. It's in an environment which has got the flexibility to recognize the uniqueness of each child. And I think that fundamentally is what Montessori tried to say in all her writing in many different ways. And that's what I have taken from, Montes from, from being a Montessori teacher. But it is really, really tricky to be just sharing that journey with the child. Yes, it's not, and it doesn't chime with our role in the larger world, is it? Where you're challenged on your competence and your, you know, who are you and what can you do and how do you add value and all this kind of thing. So we're constantly proving our competence to the world. So with such a little being in front of us, it's very hard to admit that it's, you know, we're not all always right. Yes, but also since the world pays us so little for the work, we should take a little bit more pride in what we can really give the children. What we can really give the children cannot be evaluated in money. It can only be evaluated in feelings and relationships which the children will take forward with them. Um, 
as they go forward into the future. So we can we should really help them to be who they are, to be themselves. So motherhood um, is understood to involve self-sacrifice to some extent. So what do you feel, Roxana? What have you given up? Um, I wanted to study a bit more, and I realized that um, it's just not going to happen <laughs> um, at the moment. Um, I have, uh, I have, but I'm not, I, I don't, I think one of the things that my mother used to say to me, and it really had a bad effect on me, was that I live for you. And I think that statement stayed with me because it, it ended up in such a guilt. Um, and obviously the political system that made mothers want to, mothers be mothers without their will, it also like, it was like a, I am a, a bit of a burden for her to bear <laughs> rather than, I, don't, I think I would have liked her to have a bit more definition as a person herself. Obviously, I don't think she had the, the chance to, to go through that. So um, I think also there's a cultural element in Romania that you, you sacrifice your life for your children. Um, I feel like I have to put certain things aside now because my child needs me. But I also, I also feel like eventually I'm going to get back to my interests and I think that's a healthy... Um, balance I feel like my child needs to know that I have my own life my own personality my own needs and and my own interests to pursue um, but I think when they're very little I don't find that to be such a sacrifice because also there's there's a lot of joy for me to take uh, as well um, and I'm also because I'm doing a little bit of a project with a play group I feel like I'm already working somehow I and it may not be a profitable work but it is work and it makes me happy and makes me feel a bit more of a sense of meaning beyond the motherhood um i also feel like when women become mothers they feel like they don't have a voice in society for that time and i think that is probably something that we should challenge um because it can feel like you've become an anonymous person because especially if you have friends that don't have children and and most of your social groups don't have children it's not like you can get involved in in social life in the same way. Also, I think we have spaces that are not necessarily baby friendly. <laughs> um, you can't access certain places. Um, so, of course, I want to go and hang out with my friends and I want to study more and I want to um, relax a bit more. But um, I I don't feel burnt out somehow maybe I had a bit of, a, of an understanding of what it means to look after a young child um, um but no I don't I feel like I'm sacrificing some things but I don't I'm not I'm not sacrificing myself and that's very important to me mm, that's really good that sounds very healthy yes I mean there's you're young and there's time in life to do all kinds of things more studying travel be with your friends but um there's a time for everything so Dr. Montessori believed that being with children, that the children improve us as people, as individuals. So can you see that happening? Are you oh, yes. being improved? Um, by I mean, <laughs> sounds, I mean, it sounds weird to say I'm an improved version of myself. I think I have definitely transformed and I feel like it's such a great opportunity to be transformed. I feel like I'm leaning into this, which is wonderful. Um, uh, uh, how did I change? I think I've learned a lot, a lot from my pregnancy to this present moment. But beyond that, I think I have found pools of compassion that I wasn't aware of in myself. Sometimes that's very painful. Like when the war started in Ukraine, I was in tears most of the time because I could not... It was a visceral feeling. I think you would always feel sorry for the children but I felt so sad for the mothers in there because I, it was unbelievably painful. But also, I think I have strength to maybe offer companionship to other mums. And I think that's very important to me. Um, that's something new that I've discovered. Speaking about not wanting... Speaking about 
that idea of expected perfection. I feel like when we were together, there's a lot of walls that fell and we kind of faced each other in our imperfection and that was okay. Um, you learn that you're not perfect very, very, very early. <laughs> and there's humbleness. I think there's a lot of humbleness that I've discovered in myself for my mother, for my parents, and is being aware of the efforts that they had to make, maybe in a world that didn't have not even half of the opportunities that I have as a mom. Um, so I've discovered that, and that's incredible. I think I found a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> uh, my mom had to leave the country when I was 15, so because economically the country was falling, and I think because that was a that was something that a lot of parents had to do. So I think I stored up a lot of abandonment issues and a lot of anger and. I always have found a lot of forgiveness and a little bit more closeness to my, my parents. Um, that's important, I think, to develop as a human being, to understand that your pain will probably always stay there, but there were things beyond yourself, beyond your understanding from that moment that were happening. So I think there's a lot of enlargement of that picture for me. So, And it helps me, I feel like it helps me to be a better parent as well. Um, yeah. That's great. Um, so, what, Barbara, what's your view on on Dr. Montessori's belief in the adults in the in the child's life, and how what what is what's your view on the effect of the child on the adults that are around them and that care for them? I say I very much support the idea. Um, uh, that Montessori expressed that we become better versions of ourselves through connections with children, or there are opportunities for that. Uh, it depends on us as human beings if we take the opportunities or if we, and it also depends on our own childhoods and how our own journeys uh, have been affected uh, through our childhood experiences. But um, I certainly agree with the idea that uh, I have become a different, maybe better is not the right expression, it's very general, but I have become different, richer, uh, more generous person um, through experiencing working both with children but also through being a mother. Okay, let's leave it there. Thanks again to Barbara and David and Roxanne and Sabine. Um, please join us again in the next episode. Thank you. <laughs>